listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. You were a lawyer until not that long ago. You can take some time off. Why wait? Your boss isn't giving orders. He can barely even open his eyes. I'm giving the orders. Now is not a good time. I got something for you. I think you're really gonna like this. I decide what he deserves. Do you really want to do this? You drink one, drink two, drink three Long Island iced teas. But your buddy's worse off when he throws you his car keys. Blue lights are blinking four o'clock in the morning. State Trooper makes you wish that you'd never been born. Better call Saul, better call Saul. You want to tell the world you're in love with a girl named Fran? So you find an overpass and you say it with a spray paint can. Blue lights start a blink and those handcuffs click. You know who to call and you better call quick. Saul, Saul, you better call Saul. You'll fight for your rights when your back's to the wall. Stick it to the man, justice for all. You better call Saul. It's a brand new episode of Better Talk Saul, Cinema Geekly's Better Call Saul podcast. It is Anthony and Glenn back talking more Saul, season two. Uh, this week's episode brought to you by Adam Tickets. Head on over to cinemageekly.com slash Adam Tickets or click the Adam Tickets link at the top of the page to pick yourself up some movie tickets or a gift card for the movie fan in your life. Uh, season four. I think I said season two earlier, which is uh incorrect i maybe this is i i recorded with aurora yesterday and we're talking about luke cage's second season so maybe that's stuck in my head it's episode two though glenn of season four uh it's called breathe and uh this is where uh for me this is where it feels real the the show is settling in now that we know it's back you always get that uh, that first episode where you sort of kind of reintroduce things a little bit and uh, set the stage for the rest of the season. And there was a lot of great stuff in this episode. And I think this is something that Saul has done in the past as well. Maybe Breaking Bad has done this as well, where there's a lot to talk about, but also not really that much happened. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, it's like that courtroom stuff. Like, not a lot of like physical action happened, but definitely a lot of um, character development. Yeah, like and character just dialogue stuff. heavy. I mean, this was dialogue heavy, very stationary. Mm-hmm. But you learned a lot about everybody, really. I mean, I will say that this episode. I mean, not really to spoil my rating, but like the more I think about it, because um, I watched it before you. Everyone had their moment to shine. Yeah. Like, everybody. Everyone who is part of the main cast, they all had their moment. Yep. And for an ensemble that's pretty large, I mean, you think about it, I mean, you got Nacho, Gus, I mean, even Howard to a certain extent. Yep, Jimmy and uh, Tim. Tim, definitely. Mike. Mike. Uh, You know, your main cast, they all had something going for them in this episode and the fact that a good chunk of it's separate, like Mike didn't interact with anybody, no. Jimmy and 
Kim are having their own thing, and then Gus and Nacho are doing their own thing. So the fact that everyone's split off and they're able to accomplish this, I mean, I don't know how many times we can say this before it just gets old, but it's just it's damn good writing. I mean, the way that Vince Gilligan and his staff can create a world is amazing. Like you're saying, getting settled in, and it was just like as soon as the episode ended, I was just like, oh, Jesus, like <laughs> I was I was having feels. Similar to, like, the way the episode ended with Nacho, um, similar feels to Ozymandias. Just, I don't know if it's just because he was on his knees, surrounded by gunmen, mm-hmm. but the way that the whole Hank stuff went down, it's just, this this powerlessness and hopelessness, just, yeah. man. Uh, let's talk about what happened in the episode. Uh, Jimmy tries to find a job as a copier salesman, but <laughs> instead spots an opportunity to steal valuable Hummel figurines. Uh, and there's a reference to uh, an old lady from from seasons past as well, sort of a vague reference. Uh, Kim has an explosive confrontation with uh, Howard, lambasting him for treating Jimmy poorly in the wake of Chuck's death. Lydia tells Mike that his security consultation job was to be a paper-only job, but Mike insists on continuing his security evaluations at other Madrigal warehouses. Gus discreetly pays for a skilled doctor to help Hector Salamanca recover from his stroke, and learns that Nacho was the one responsible for it. When Arturo and Nacho come to his facility to acquire more product, Gus kills Arturo and informs Nacho he knows of his attempted murder on Hector, and uh, he does this in order to essentially uh, seize control of Nacho's services i guess he says you're mine you belong to me oh yeah uh what did you think uh more in-depthly of episode two glenn i mean i thought the i thought the gus thing in the van where he was talking about hector Mm. and even the whole sequence later on in the episode with the doctor the john hopkins doctor with the twins and they finally say something, and you're just like, oh, God. <laughs> They're like the most terrifying human beings. Yeah. Um, like, that, the, you know, like I was telling you about the, the line that Gus says, like, only I, de- uh, only I decide what he deserves. Yes. Uh, talking about what Hector, you know, what his end will be mm-hmm. and what his torture will be. Uh, just, like, set chills down my spine. And then you follow that up with Kim's scene with Howard, which, you know was uh, it's tough to watch because you know that it's not entirely true mm-hmm. but it's what Kim has to believe as yeah. far as the way she views Jimmy as, as a victim of sorts which he is I mean a lot of I'm out I spent like all day uh all evening yesterday just watching like Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul like critiques mm-hmm. um, and so it was just a uh, it's just one of those kind of like sad things that it, you know if she has a tragic ending it's not like you can't see you didn't see it coming just because of what Jimmy is Yeah, and any I'm... normal person would react the way that Kim is reacting to how what Howard did because I mean, again, like Howard did it on purpose because, like she said, like did you tell her? No, you told Jimmy because you wanted to put that shit on him. Yeah, 
You wanted to unload. And, and, and Kim doesn't know how to process the way Jimmy is reacting to it. Because the way Jimmy is reacting to it, like, because we know Jimmy, is that he now, he now has an out. He's no longer on the hook. Even if, you know, he knew Chuck killed himself before Howard even said it to him. Hmm. But now that he knows Howard had that conversation and he can blame Howard in a way for what Chuck did. Now he has an out. He doesn't have to worry about it anymore. It feels like he doesn't have to blame himself, Where, which of course is there is some blame there, obviously. Oh yeah. Uh, but I mean, yeah, Kim made some salient points uh, as well that this was, you know, Chuck's timing couldn't have been, uh, or Howard's timing couldn't have been worse. And it was in part on him unloading because you could tell Howard was uh, conflicted and upset about this and believed it to be entirely his fault and did want to unload. But, mm-hmm. you know, the timing and who he decided to unload on, she sees as, um, you know, being unfair. And there's just all this other stuff like this, uh, putting uh, Jimmy on this board or whatever. And this, Oh, uh, yeah. Like, Chuck wouldn't do that. You know Chuck wouldn't do it. Yeah. You know, it's like a screw Giving him you. just enough not to sue giving him just enough not to sue yeah um she was awesome i kind of hope she dies and i kind of hope it has nothing to do with jimmy i just they are such a good couple and also we got we saw them be sexually intimate with each other this episode i I don't think we've ever seen they have jump on each other like that they have saved that for literally years like it's always presumed yeah, and I mean, they are no, just there. But... They live together. They're in love with one another. But uh, we've talked about it in in episodes and in seasons past that one of the coolest ways this couple is portrayed is that you know none of that stuff is really needed. In fact, they're very rarely on screen being intimate in any way, really uh, affectionate, and it's it's shown in other ways, other more real ways uh, as people. Uh, you and I, Glenn, who are in relationships, if if TV is to be believed, uh, couples are only couples if they are constantly affectionate towards one another. And most people who have 24-hour days and they see that person every day of the year for many of those hours, you don't spend that entire time like that. Most people spend their time sitting at the table, drinking coffee, having a talk about whatever the fuck is going on. Deciding if they're going to watch White Shadow or Jaws 3. <laughs> yeah. But it's really Jaws 3D. Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the, I don't have a problem with them doing it, and it wasn't even very gratuitous. I no, it wasn't. Say. And you know what? And it was 100% earned. Yeah. I agree. Because it actually had something to do with the plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was well done, and uh, and I applaud them. And yeah, they. It's just that my biggest fear, because I have a feeling this is how it's gonna end. And I I hate this in every movie or television show that does this. There's nothing I hate watching more than a good relationship that is thrown away by you know, one of the, you know, one of the people involved, like it's, it's ruined by them in some fashion and something that didn't have to be ruined. And this is, but this is sort of Jimmy's, 
I mean, I feel like this is the inevitability with his character because this is kind of his M.O. He, this happens a lot. He's, he can be very destructive to the... And usually with good intentions... I mean, he even says it. He's not good at building things, but he's really good at tearing them apart. Yeah, and so far his relationship with Kim is something that's been built, uh, although sometimes shadily. Uh, it hasn't always been a completely on the up and up, but Kim's not aware of that. And so far it's like a, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say the relationship is a house of cards. It's more stable than that, but it is. Well, they have a real foundation. It's just, mm -hmm. it's, it's who Jimmy is. That's what's going to be in its undoing. Like you said, it might not be anything that he directly does, Mm -hmm. um, but you know, it could be something to the effect of, uh, you know, like a, like a Hank and Walter White thing, like who he thought Walter was. And a lot of it has to do with disrespect. And I don't think Kim necessarily disrespects him because I think she respects him too much, but maybe they do that in reverse. It's her respect for him. Um, that make, you know, that allows her to have a blind eye towards him. And then when the moment comes, uh, you know, maybe she's on the toilet just like Hank is. And, by dumb luck, he's handed, you know, the identity and the whole case comes together for him. Yeah. And you just have to go back and rethink every interaction you've had. Maybe it could be something like that. Because, you know, it's not like she isn't aware of his shady dealing. She just, you know, told him, I don't want to know what you do. We are separate mm-hmm. uh, Her, practices yeah. And, yeah. and that kind of stuff. So it, it isn't like she's completely unaware, but she might not know the extent to what Jimmy's willing to do. Yeah. You know it's just going to hurt, though, because you can see how much she cares by going to bat for him here like this. Oh, yeah. Well, I, think it's, I think it's going to hurt him, too. I mean, it's... It's going to be an uncomfortable ending, I think. It is. And it, that's... I'm not I, looking forward to it. I know. For a prequel show, you shouldn't... Anything that's prequel, we, again, we've talked about it before, but, like, mm-hmm. you, you shouldn't... It shouldn't be this captivating. I can't think of anything I've watched that is prequel based that has ever just kept me on the edge. Yes, I know the endings of most of these characters in the show, mm-hmm. but you like you know with Gus, like there's still things we learn w- about him, yeah. Mike. There are things we learn about him, and I mean Jimmy, and you know that kind of goes without saying. But again, like Kim's the one uncertainty. So the fact that we see this happiness and we know it's really close to the Breaking Bad timeline, and apparently as the season goes on, we will be crossing over into the timeline of Breaking Bad. Like, uh, it's just, you know, it, I don't know if I'm ready for it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm just, you know, I, I'm still a firm believer of it's not necessarily the, you know, it's that old saying, it's not always the destination sometimes it's the journey and if the you know the journey is really well done uh you know because look there's there's hardly a thing uh a piece of of story written anywhere that can't really be broken down into its tinier elements that shows you you know just how you know you can take any um you know you can take like uh star wars and harry potter and all of these other things and you can break them down to like their, their essential elements, their storytelling elements. And they're basically all the same story. Oh yeah. Uh, we've been ripping off Shakespeare for 400 years. 
Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it, it really is about the way that you tell the story and, you know, we said it a bunch of times. These guys are just master storytellers. And it doesn't matter that we know, like, what happens to Nacho or that Kim and uh, Jimmy aren't together at some point. None of those things really matter, or we know what happens to Gus. None of that stuff really matters because the story that you're telling right now is so well done, you kind of don't really care. You, In fact, in a lot of ways, you want to have that added layer because they're doing such a good job of telling yeah the they're story. giving me doubt to what i know the narrative is mm-hmm. like that whole i mean we're talking we can move on to another part of it but the whole final interaction with gus and nacho mm-hmm. like i know nacho doesn't die because we see him die elsewhere yeah. um, but man I've, i'm really not there for a second they're gonna blow his head off yeah. uh, but but that's just because it was executed so well and Man, I just, I mean, the whole copier thing, and that was, you know, again, like with Jimmy, you know, you think he does it because, you know, I mean, he he does the right thing and then undercuts that right thing by doing the thing he did previously, which is, I'm going to trick you and fool you. And then I I, I want to talk about this, this copier sales job thing. Um, it's possible that I wasn't fully aware. Did he say something specifically about how he's going to turn this into some sort of Hummel figurine opportunity? Well, whenever he was there, he was talking about the Hummels, and he had said, oh, yeah, you know, used to deal with nursing homes, saw them all the time. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, kids don't, kids don't value them these days, so they've been a collection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I felt like I read... I think he just saw them as as marks, you know, the fact that they were able to hire him. Again, yes. he he talks himself out of it because he knows he put on a show. Yeah, and, you know, see, he that's says the... exactly that, and is like, you know what? That's uh, you how... know, it's almost like he had mercy for them, and then of course yes. he just can't help himself. He has to prove how clever he is and see if he can get away with it. Yeah, this is what I felt. I I watched this where he's going out to try to get a new job and because he worked in the print room or whatever for mail room. the mail room for so long, he knows all about copiers. So he goes to this uh, copier sales job that's open and he wows these guys about his, his legitimate knowledge about copying machines, but also throws in all of his charm and mm-hmm. a lot of his bullshit, like, you know, I'm a... <laughs> uh, but some of it is... It's not bullshit. Ka-chunk, ka-chunk, ka-chunk. Yes. It's, but, and some of it isn't bullshit. He's being kind of true. You know, when he's talking about... He's like, look, do I have a background in sales? No. But I I was a lawyer. So, you know, I... In a, in a lot of ways, I was in sales because I had to sell the judge. I had to sell the jury. Sometimes I had to sell my own clients on deals, you know, uh, when they had they had to make the best of a bad choice, uh, you know, that sort of thing. And that's kind of a legitimate argument for being a salesperson. You, In a lot of ways, you do kind of have to sort of sell somebody on, uh, 
you know, on a story. Uh, and, and, you know, they're like, oh my God, well, you know, we, our whole business is based around trying to sell an expensive thing to a sort of unwilling clientele. And you do have to sort of talk them into it because of how expensive uh, everything is, you know, but he, he does it so well. He lays it on so well that, you know, they hire him and he's like, you, you know, you idiots. <laughs> you, you don't know me. He's like, I could be a serial killer. I could piss in your coffee. I could be doing both. Uh, you know, there's no background check. You just hired me off the street. And part of it, part of it is, I feel like it's the, um, you know, uh, however you want to, you know, whichever version of the story you want to tell, like the fox and the scorpion. Mm-hmm. Or whatever, where you know, the scorpion stings the fox halfway across the river anyway, because it's in the scorpion's nature. Maybe this is just in Jimmy's nature to, when he's in this situation to perform and to sell, he just does it. And when these guys hired him on so quickly, he realized what happened and was. I guess felt bad for them, but also maybe a little disappointed in himself, I guess, you know, because if he was being selfish, he would have just taken this job. It's an easy street for him. Uh, You know, he just, he didn't really have to do much than other than talk his way into a situation. Uh, So I feel like that's sort of like an interesting twist for, um, for him. Although ultimately we know where it leads. He decides to kind of just go full bore into the talking himself into and out of situations. Um, you know, by the time he gets to, to breaking bad, but yeah, so it's, you're, you're seeing, I think, I don't know, maybe some internal dissension about he's kind of struggling with who he is. Uh, and I think sometimes it's like a reminder that Chuck was sometimes right yeah yeah like um the one of the critiques i've been watching was that chuck is chuck is skyler without your gender politics baggage that Mm. the audience had towards skyler Mm. and that's so that chuck was always right but the way that chuck presented things uh made him kind of an asshole yeah, like, he, he was right, but he just didn't have to say it that way, which is why in the courtroom, like, when he's talking about Jimmy, is Jimmy will do horrendous, awful things for the best reasons. Like, he has a heart of gold. It's just he cannot help himself. Yeah. And I guess he does, He just – he know and it's not even really the easy way out because if you think about, like – if him having to like scam some way of getting these Hummels, like he's going to put more plan and practice than if he were to sell copiers. Yeah. But it's just, that's not what feeds him. It's not, it's not what gives him, you know, that gusto or that go to, to keep, keep doing what he's doing. Yeah. Um, and also it kind of ties another thing, you know, with Mike, you know, Mike refusing to listen to Lydia. I mean, I completely agree with what he is saying, and I think that's funny with yes. Gus, and he's like, just give him a badge if you don't want him showing up without stealing people's badges. badges. <laughs> just give him a badge. He's trustworthy. Uh, that was that was great, too. Um, and so much of the stuff I like about Mike is they, and I feel like they do this almost every episode in which he appears, and that they would do this sometimes in Breaking Bad as well, 
is you'll get Mike being Mike. But they'll always intercut that with like something else in the episode where you just see him as like your friendly grandpa. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, he was with his do- granddaughter and that yeah. kind of stuff. Like, I, I mean, I see this all the time with my dad and, you know, my uh, with my kids. It's, you know, you can you can just see it in them. Like, yeah, he's, that's a total grandpa. But then, you know, he goes to whatever this place was, this <laughs> magical place. Uh, the look on Mike's face when he walks in, there's this just ridiculous well, it's, I guess it's statue. like a conference, like a hotel maybe with uh, conference rooms. It is like the darkest, the most dimly lit place I've ever seen. It looks so depressing and sad. Oh, and then like the the art that's like over the top, over the top like, weird uh... art. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was great. Uh, but yeah, he goes in there and they're like, you know, why Lydia is just like, why would you do this? Your job is supposed to be paper only. You sit home and we pay you, which sounds like a great job. But Mike's like, look, if and his theory is sound. I don't know why Lydia... I, I guess Lydia is just terrified of of it falling apart. And I guess we know from uh, from future events that, you know, it, it, she is terrified of everything falling apart. And... But he's... He's right that if at some point this paper now trail is discovered... you the checks. Right. If at some point this paper trail is exposed... You know, you're paying this security consultant who doesn't do anything. You know, now you've got a face. People, you know, they'll be like, does this guy work here? And they can say, yeah, we've seen him here. Uh, And he's like, look, you guys have like eight regional warehouses, one down, you know, seven to go. And I'm just going to keep doing it. And I just happen to find things that were wrong. So there was a bonus. (laughs) Yeah, it was a bonus. (laughs) He, He is so good. Uh, yeah, and and the thing with Gus, I mean, look, yeah, this is, um, this was all Gus one hundred and one. It to to like the outsider, they might be like, aren't these guys enemies? Why would he pay for a skilled doctor? But you know, it's because he he uncovered that Nacho was the one who tried to kill Hector, and if anyone's gonna fucking kill Hector Salamanca, it's Gus Fring. Mm-hmm. So he, I mean, to the point where he will save Hector's life if it means that Gus will get to kill him later. And we all know how this ultimately yeah. plays out in like one of the greatest villain deaths of all time on a on TV or movie. And to see the just the added and these don't feel and this is the and, thing. And this and also think about it. If you watch the show in reverse. Mm-hmm. Like I want one of my friends to yeah. Which I found out what a guy I know is actually doing this. He's never watched Breaking Bad, but he's watching Better Call Saul. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, think about when you get to Breaking Bad and that moment happens. And you're like, man, he could have avoided all of this if he just wasn't so prideful in his vendetta against Hector. Yes. Because he's so cautious, you know, and so pragmatic with everything else. Right. I mean, and you but this can... one guy is yes. <laughs> where he has this vindictive streak against. I mean, and you can say or could say that you don't need all of that backstory, but I would argue, because at least from my perspective, because I'm all about a good story, that is it needed? Like, would Breaking Bad be that much better? And I would say, if the story is told well enough, 
then yes, it would be that much better to provide that much more um, context. It's sort of like reverse Star Wars. Think about how the Star Wars prequels, uh, in, in almost uncountable ways, ruined the story of Darth Vader. It didn't enhance it. It made it worse instead of better. Uh, I mean, it tried. It was trying to make it better. But ultimately, I think it failed miserably at trying to improve the story. Here, you've got the story between Hector and Gus that they did tell in Breaking Bad, and it had a conclusion and all that stuff, a tremendous conclusion. But the storytelling here is so good that it is adding layers that only add quality to that story. Yeah, it enhances Breaking Bad, which is why this show is getting to where it might be better. Yeah. Unfortunately, it maintains its status as the most underwatched show. It dropped by like 220,000 viewers from even last week. Uh, so is that like a, like 1.5 million viewers this week, which is down from the last week. So it continues to be criminally unwatched. I wonder if it will reach a stage that Breaking Bad did where just one day people were like, wait a minute, holy shit, this show, you guys. And then it blew up everywhere, which... I don't think happened with Breaking Bad until, like, season four, anyway. Yeah, I mean, they got one more... I mean, they already renewed the next season, so... Yeah, I think they said they were only going to go to five, right? Yeah, five. Yeah, I'm, I'm not positive, but I think I think five. Five, five sounds good. I, well, I mean, I guess we'll have to see how this show ends, but... Yeah. Five, five sounds good. I think if, if it ended at five, it would be... I, I don't think anything would be stretched out. Yeah. Um, all right, I just well, wonder. I just wonder what my thing is when this is over. I don't know what Vince Gilligan's going to do next. No, but no, I'm, there, I'm you excited. can't. Are you going to go further back? Like we're going to find out about Chuck's child? Like, what, like I don't. <laughs> we found out about like young Mike. But again, like let's compare this to you. Kind of brought it up, like Star Wars. Yeah. Um. You kind of found out that. You could only really do so much with Star Wars in a way. Um, you can't stray off the path where, or things kind of, th- the crowd doesn't want them as much. Right. And you compare it with this show where it's like, I can envision uh, so many spinoffs and I would be all for like a nacho thing. Fuck uh, yeah, I'll watch that. Like, <laughs> uh, they just do such a good job of, of fleshing out these characters that because I like these characters so much and not in an artificial uh, bounty hunter looks cool kind of thing, Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. But genuinely, like these are interesting characters and their motivations. I like. Like, I, I'm just curious what he would do next after this because it's not like you could make a prequel again, or a, I don't know. I don't know if you could make another spinoff or a legal drama with Howard and Kim. That takes place after the events oh my, of Saul. Oh my gosh! I would watch. I would watch that all day long. I know, <laughs> but they're just. Oh man, I don't know. But yeah, it, I mean, there there are talks of you know the buddy comedy with like Saul's goons mm-hmm. from like Breaking Bad, like his door guards and like yeah. <laughs> people like that. I mean, well, that's what we thought the show was going to be, and it isn't. No, it's totally not that. Uh, but it's better, I think, than that. So, and because I just assumed he was in practice for forever. We knew he had the made-up name, mm-hmm. but man, 
and they, I guess it makes sense that he was just this good lawyer in this over-the-top corner supermarket office. Yep. It's probably because he didn't have it very long because he's obviously a good lawyer. He's crooked as hell, but, man, is he good? Yeah. yeah. Especially, you know, it's you know you think about it now. Like, Gus used him. Like, how are these, like, super successful CD people using this guy? I mean, it's like it's a front. Like, his office is a front for what he actually is. I mean, Jimmy, I mean, that's his whole characterization is that he's talented, he's very talented, and his heart is in the right place, but even with those things, he still can't help but be manipulative. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's this weird weird dichotomy of, of characteristics, but uh, what would you give episode two, Breathe? A five. Yeah, I didn't quite go five. I I didn't I was, have a problem with anything. I was like four and three quarters, but a I will say I'm episode. grading it on a curve, much like yeah, like Avengers: Infinity War. The fact that everyone had a standout moment in 45 minutes, yeah, out of six characters, you don't really see it that often. No, so. you do not. Uh, but yeah, a, a tremendous episode uh, in a field of tremendous episodes i know i can't there's only been one where we thought was meh right yeah i think there may have been one or maybe even two episodes where we we thought you know it was fine uh a step down in quality but it was still better than most of whatever else we were watching at the time one of these days they will have to make a bad episode glenn and i stand by this statement <laughs> one day they will have to have messed up something but so far no even the best shows they've got they got some ding, you know some dingers in there this one i mean we said like the first couple like we well, i think we were like we liked the first episode but it was like oh it feels like it's going to be breaking bad and then they did the like two or three after that but it was that mike episode and we were just like all right, this is this is different. Some, there's something different about that. Yeah. But man. Uh, apparently it has a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, although TV reviews on Rotten Tomatoes are not, um, are not overly common. Uh, but there was... Uh, IndieWire gave the series a highly positive review based off of the first three episodes, calling it better, deeper, and more daring. Which sounds like fun. And also they called it one of the most subtle and brilliant shows on television. Uh, I don't... 98% suggests that there are some negative reviews to this, and I can't imagine what they would be. But apparently there are some. Uh, there's no Walter White. They don't say science bitch enough, so... This is, yeah, there's no comic, no comic relief. Yeah. No comic relief. Uh, but yeah, another great episode... Uh, and Glenn and I are going to come back to talk another great episode. Uh, head on over to cinemageekly.com <laughs> to check out the archives of the show, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, uh, Stitcher. Just search for Better Talk Saul and hit subscribe. Look for the Cinema Geekly logo, because there's another one out there uh, as well. So we're the one with the Cinema Geekly logo on it. You can't miss it. Uh, I, I just put up brand new podcast art for it to include us in a geekly logo uh so it should be easier to find in that regard uh all right well that's it uh we'll be back next week more better call saul season four we're gonna be talking episode three
called Something Beautiful. But the cops say, whoa, who are you going to die when they lock you down? Oh, Saul, Saul, you better call Saul. He'll fight for your rights when your back's to the wall. 